your first Brisson as well, Adrian? Is that my what? Have you seen a Robert Brisson film before? I have not. Okay. First version. Awesome. You ripped the city open tonight, Carlo. You gave everybody their first Brisson. I did. Wow. <laughs> Look what you did for us, man. I'm happy. To Who else can you introduce us to? Who else you got up your sleeve? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm adding those contacts, you know. I'm just <laughs> that Polish movie you put me on to was tight. Yes. Uh, um, All These Sleepless Nights. Have you guys seen that film? It's well, on Netflix. Actually, yeah. You've seen it? Yes. It's but so good. When's it from? This year, yeah, it, it played in theaters like around April. But if Terrence Malick was like a 19 year old Polish kid mm-hmm. who did like who did like a lot of eat and listened to a lot of trap music <laughs> and made a movie, that's what the movie would be. I'm not sure he isn't. All these sleepless nights, yes, yeah, it's very yeah. good. Amazing, it's, it's probably number eight of the year. Wow, it's gone down for you. So you've seen more films since then that have you hold higher than that? What happened? Why is there dance music on now? <laughs> I just to fill out the silence. Thanks. In like a very small line. I've never heard of this before. Yeah, it's on the it's on the Amazon. It's also on uh, Netflix. 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 So there he is. Oh, no. yeah. So we were just going to start with your side by sides and then we'll have the discussion. Oh, okay. Yeah. We were just going to incorporate everything uh, all in one. But uh, Well, it's Sorry. just like Sorry. I want everybody to come up front and we'd be blocking the screen. So. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, yeah, Eric? Yeah, everything. Uh, yeah, I, I've only seen this movie twice before I got the uh, file from Carlo, but it always stuck to me. Um, I think Brisson's one of the most like influential filmmakers like within his lane and like with the exception of one movie everything that like I kind of compiled is directly people referencing the movie we just saw or just Brisson's influence in general like it's not just the images it's like the plots to the movies certain specific things so like uh, if you want to pull these up yeah so Richard Linklater uh talked about how he saw Four Nights of a Dreamer and this scene uh, influenced that scene. To the right is Slacker. That's his, uh, technically it's his second movie, but it's called, his, it's, it's considered his first movie. But like, you know, in this scene, this guy just, uh, he just killed his mother actually with a car. But there's just similar to, you know, our character on the left, there's just no emotion. He just kind of like, you know, records his memoirs, goes about his day, like just after he ran his mom over with a car. And it's a very Bressonian kind of thing, because Bresson... I think the movie we just saw for Nights of a Dreamer, it's very much his style where it's just like apathetic delivery. Like there's still a soul to it, but it's still very just like matter of fact, straightforward, just kind of like, you know, like a low, low key performance. Like people don't really have a lot of emotion in, in Brisson's film. So, so that's one where directly Richard Linklater saw this movie. He wasn't in college, but he spent a lot of time hanging out at a... Uh, like film school and just and like certain professors let Richard Linklater just sit in on certain classes and he just and, and this is one of the movies that like stood out to him he said I so. love that you kept the yeah. old um, uh, images because that's what it looked like before that's yeah yeah this I got off of YouTube yeah yeah uh, yeah. of the film so before I got this so good quality I, I, I redid some, you'll see some of them are better quality but this is like the yeah. best I could do from like a while that's back great. when I had kind of compared that yeah what's All the right. other one shall we move to the next one 
Yeah, I mean, this is Haneke on the right. This is Haneke's seventh continent uh, on the right. Uh, again, Haneke, um, Robert Bresson is one of Haneke's favorite filmmakers. Um, and yeah, like, they both kind of just show, like, just kind of like the monotonous, like, stripped down, just day-to-day, like, daily routine, like, we kind of all go through. And I thought, he never said by, he never called out Four Nights of a Dreamer specifically, but I still think this is... You know, if you say Brisson's your favorite filmmaker, it's kind of like, it's not too far-fetched, I think, to make this comparison. Uh, what's the next one? Yeah, Jim, yeah, like uh-huh. I said, so Hal Hartley is, uh, Hal Hartley's favorite movie, one of his favorite movies is uh, Al, Al Hassard Balthazar, that's uh, one of Brisson's earlier films, and I saw and heard with my own eyes, he was asked at a Q&A years ago, and he said Brisson was his favorite filmmaker, so, and this this is the start to both of these movies, like, we just saw, obviously, on the left, but... His first feature film, Unbelievable Truth, it starts with this guy, just he just got out of prison, he's just kind of aimlessly hitchhiking, he's trying to get back to Long Island, but it's just kind of like the same kind of way, like when this guy asks where you're going, and actually on the bottom right, uh, that actor, Matt Malloy, he asks the same question, he's like, where are you going? And then he goes, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, I'm trying to get to Long Island, he's like, I'm not going that far, and he's like, well, just take me wherever as far as you're going, so it, it, it's yeah. a similar transaction. All right, get in. Yeah, exactly, yeah, all right, get in, yeah. This is another one too. This guy, yeah, the bottom left image. But uh, Bruno Demont, the guy responsible for those films on the left, he did uh, most recently Slack Bay. That's um, uh, Horace Satan. But um, after his first two features in the art house film community, he was nicknamed the Son of Bresson, which is actually kind of a, a title he kind of he he kind of embraced it at first. He doesn't really like talking about it now, but when he was younger, so not just in Four Nights of a Dreamer, but just about every Bresson film, there's like a there's like a moment of, of embrace, and he does that in all of his films. I mean, I could I, literally every Bruno Dumont film has has a moment just like this. But um, you know, what movie? There's a million movies that have people embracing. But I just think when you narrow it down to just like the connection that Brisson and Dumont have with each other, it, it makes a little bit more sense. It's a little more coherent. Uh, what's the next one? I don't even remember. Yeah, so Leo Karash, he used to write for uh, Cahiers du Cinema when he was younger. He's another guy that always cites Brisson, and the movie on the right uh, with Juliette Binoche and Denis Levant, it's um, The Lovers on the Bridge. And the majority of this movie takes place on the Pont Neuf uh, Bridge. So Leo Crush went so far as to like make a film you know, set in the same similar setting as you know, Four Nights of a Dreamer. Also, the plot to Lovers on the Bridge is pretty similar. You know, Juliette Binoche is kind of in love with two men. She's not over one, but she's attracted to this other guy. So it, it's a very it's, it's a similar movie as, as well. Besides What's just the, the scene, the ferry at the bottom in Lovers on the Bridge. Uh, what was happening? Or is that a speedboat? Yeah, it's actually a speedboat, but okay. it has the same lights around the perimeter, uh, just like gotcha. a boat. So yeah, 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 it's a scene actually where Julia Binoche goes um, water skiing. Um, huh? Yeah, so. <laughs> But it's, again, it's all the same yeah. setting. It's the same setting, both movies. Yeah, I guess just the point of contrast between the two films, though, is that uh, Brisson shot on the bridge, and he really hated it because like the public was <coughs> using it, whereas um, Karash built the bridge. Like, he rebuilt it. Like, well, because it was under construction, but yeah. he actually got used to, to some of it. Like, you could uh, see a lot of construction, like, dir- right. like when you watch the, 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 the movie. He rebuilt some of it because yeah. they were in the middle of, like, rebuilding it. Mm-hmm. But there are certain scenes, like, he was allowed yeah. access to. It was, like, one of the most expensive French films. Yeah, and it bombed. Yeah. It tanked. At, at, it, it really yeah. tanked. But it's a really good movie. I highly recommend The Lovers on the Bridge. It's a really good movie. Yeah. I think there's another Karash comparison. Yeah, his first... Leo Karash's first film... Um, Boy Meets Girl, 
is another very similar film where the two women, you know, on the bottom, they're also kind of torn between two lovers where the film starts, Lovers on the Bridge, it starts, you know, she's just getting over this relationship and then she meets this other guy and then she's kind of torn between the two, just like kind of how we see in, in um, Four Nights of a Dreamer. This is this is something I've never, I mean, Steven Soderbergh's a cinephile, so I'm sure he's heard of Brisson before and he knows his movies. I just thought this is, oh, oh whoops, oh, it's fine. It's no I just thought it was like really, really similar how their hands slowly kind of touch. And the, the next slide is from Solaris also. It's a bit of a, we have these two people dying in a similar fashion, two people by the rainy window. I just thought that, I just thought they were kind of similar. It's also from Solaris, which I don't say this too much, but I actually prefer that version of Solaris than Tarkovsky's. And I think Tarkovsky's Solaris is a masterpiece. I just think this is, uh, the way it was handled, it's, it's, it was handled slightly better, I think. But that's just me. I know most people dis yeah most people disagree. It's it's fine. I get. It. I'm not gonna argue with. I think they're very different. Yeah. Yeah. You get two different things from. Yeah. I just. Yeah. 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 I just yeah. think um, Steven Soderbergh's a movie fan first, and mm -hmm. I and I identify with this. Like certain movies, if it's like a great like movie, it's like three and a half hours, mm -hmm. and you want to share this with your friends. It's like you right. know. No one, most people aren't going to like a three-and-a-half-hour movie, so he tried to strip it down and just make an accessible yeah. version he wanted to share with people. And Just like The yeah. Lovers on the Bridge, yeah, Solaris didn't do well. and right. It didn't get... At least Lovers on the Bridge got rediscovered. The Solar, like people still hate Solaris, but that's fine. It doesn't make me like it less. Yeah, actually, I take that back, because IndieWire, someone wrote, like, a why Solaris, it's 15 years later, why Solaris was actually a great movie, which kind of annoyed me. I don't like when people do that. You're allowed to change your mind, but when it's, like, so drastic, like, oh, you were wrong, it was a masterpiece all along, it's like, now it's too late. You had your chance. Yeah. They, they, they did a retrospective with Freddie Got Fingered this year at Alamo Draft House. Did they? Yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't go to support <laughs> that, because you had, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think that's the like, misunderstood yeah. classic. I'm like, it's oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, I understand yeah, it. I, understand I don't know what that's about. Yeah, that's that. I think we can all start. All right, kind okay. of chatting you guys now. Guys, want to come wanna... up? Yeah, that's good. Uh, we'll, we'll put job, Marcus. You never fail. <laughs> You have to you have yeah, I've been sitting in some place for a very long time. Just kind of timed out perfectly. And then I made some new ones. I trust you implicitly. What? Thanks both of you guys for coming out. Wednesday night. Very cool. You could have been anywhere, but you're here with us. <laughs> First of all, yeah, I want to thank you guys for showing up here. I feel like I'm amongst uh, podcast royalty. Actually, I think that's what all four of us um, have in common this year is that we all started a podcast, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and I'm probably like the smallest out of all, all four of us. Well, I mean, yeah. you don't know about that. <laughs> You're like five, six. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, that really... <laughs> I mean, if we're being technical, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess. okay, yeah. I'm technical. Yeah, I'm five six, hundred twenty pounds. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, I just want to introduce you guys for my podcast. So we have Scott Thoreau. Yes, hi. A musician, first and foremost. <laughs> um, Fuck you, Carl. <laughs> we have Marcus Pin. Um, yeah, side by side legend. Hashtag okay. side by side. All right. 
<laughs> and uh, Bill Scurry of I Don't Get It podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. and frequent com- uh, contributor to Wrong Real yes, as well. Yes, and that's how I discovered you, actually. Um, um, you seem like... Somehow the plan worked. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, and also and just... Me and Marcus have a podcast about golf okay. called Zebras in America. Yes, you do. Yeah. Which I, um, you guys have like uh, given me a couple of shout-outs on that podcast, so I'm glad to have... Of course, man. You, you sought us out. You were listening to uh, one of the first few folks to like reach out to us after listening to And we're egomaniacs. Really cool. <laughs> you, you, you told me you started a podcast based off our yeah. podcast. I was like, oh, tell me more. Yes, exactly. Flattery will get you everywhere. Everywhere. Right? You guys yeah. like the Sex Pistols, right? All six of your listeners made podcasts. Yes. Uh, no, that, that's uh, the Velvet Underground. Uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> well, that, there's a it, big difference. I know. I appreciate the, your your completion, but yeah. Um, yeah, and I also just also want to give a shout out to the sunset today. Did you guys see it? I did. I did. Remarkable, right? We had, a good, we had a good view of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I did. Oh, no. I wanted to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> It was so nice. Yeah. Delectable. Um, and yeah, you, Scott, you often call me like a weirdo on your podcast. Because <laughs> you're a fucking weird guy. I don't know what you're talking about, man. I'm like the most normal guy ever. Like, normal yes. people don't call themselves normal. Okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> a clear indication that I'm in for some weird shit is like, oh, it's a totally normal thing. It's mm. totally, this, this is nothing weird about this. That's the first sign. First sign okay. that everything's weird. You're wearing orange salmon pants. <laughs> yes, I am actually. Uh, it's uh, haven't done my laundry yet. That's why. <laughs> so no, back up that shit. That's a that's mm. a sign of strength. It's pretty. Oh no, I love I love these pants. Good, 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 good. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I mean, we'll start with the most basic question. Since the two of you, this is your first Brisson, and Bill, you've been telling me like when we exchanged messages that you've heard about Brisson and he was somebody you wanted to tackle. Yeah, it's part of my uh, 2017 homework. I mean, um, there's a lot of gaps in my uh, portfolio. I've been trying to... Tarkovsky, for instance. I hadn't seen any Tarkovsky until this year. Um, and so Brisson is this filmmaker I've had as homework on the horizon. I haven't gotten to it yet just because there's been so many guys I've had to, like, gobble and consume up to that. So I'm glad this is a good coincidence that you're featuring this in a live environment. Yeah. Because it was part of the, yeah, part of my homework. Okay. So what are your initial impressions? Weird, you know, and that wasn't for me. Um, uh, there's something about me and the sort of French New Wave. I don't get along with any of that. None of it works for me. He's not a French New Wave. No, I know, but it's very <laughs> much a feel. Matter of fact, the French New Wave didn't even, they kind of wanted to distance themselves from the guy. Well, it, it, but no, I was going to say, it, it feels very much. really feel. Yeah, really. It feels very much both. like Godard. It feels very much so like. It's more like French New no Wave. Okay, but mm. I saw Godard. Yeah, I, I, I dig French, that. French proto it, it, punk. It's it's see, it's tough to say because he's been directing since the forties. Yeah, so his it's like generation it's pre, like yeah. Renoir and yeah. like Clouseau. Fuck Renoir. <laughs> yeah, like I have to say too, it's weird. His transition, like Brisson. First, I don't know if you noticed, he he uses like non actors, like yeah. just regular people. Yeah, but his first two movies, uh, yeah. which he kind of doesn't. Um, Acknowledge he stopped acknowledging his first two movies were with like real actors, real like melodramatic music. He wasn't really into it, and then you know once he got around that pickpocket Al Hazard Balthazar era, he used non professional actors, but he still shot you know he still used that over melodramatic swelling music. And then by like the late sixties, this is like very indicative of what we just saw from like a gentlewoman up to like his passing. All all those movies are very similar. He did a Lancelot movie, which. Yep. It's very violent, but it's also shot in this style, so it's like boring and like 
And I mean that in a good way, but then someone's head gets cut off and blood splatters everywhere. And it's very mm-hmm. jarring and disorienting because it's like, for ten minutes, it's just like yeah. people, like emotionless dialogue and delivery, and then suddenly, yeah. like, an arm gets cut off or something. So. It, but, it, I, but you know. Yeah, it's reminiscent of, if you've seen Monty Python and the Holy Grail, yes. it's like just hard to with take less humor. seriously. <laughs> but I, I yeah. want to go back to what Bill was saying because I'm curious. I'm, yeah. I, Cut you off. <laughs> well, uh, dispassionate filmmaking and inner performances don't they, don't do anything for me. I, I, I felt that was as chilly as a block of ice. It, mm-hmm. There was nothing. There was no way in mm-hmm. in the performances and the photography and the action and the pacing. I felt like I was watching something that was very pro forma and rote, and it was completely inert. And, and the, the voices never modulated. Everybody walked around with almost like they were hypnotized, like in like in Herzog's uh, Heart of Glass, mm-hmm. you know, and and. Uh, it's tough because I can see what's going on, and I, I love films about Paris, and I love French filmmaking, and I love the Pont Neuf, and I, you know, it's got all the all the pieces of what I want are there. It's just that you know I'm not seeing them arrayed in a way that gives me any sort of uh, access, and so it feels like I'm being thwarted. I'm prevented from entering the film. Right. Yeah, I think, and it's totally fine. I, the thing about Rassan is in this. You don't have to, I don't think in any case, you don't need to know, like, backstory. You just, you should see a movie and you take it as it is. Mm-hmm. He, when I heard both you guys, both Scott and uh, Bill, you're like, this is my first persona. I was kind of like, ah, maybe this isn't, like, <laughs> directors I really love, I'm kind of like, no, start here and then maybe work here. You know what I'm saying? And I just, his whole thing is, I thought and, and I, I like this. His yeah. It, his style is very predetermined. Like, the characters in his movies, like, their actions are predetermined. It's just like they're going along... They almost have no say. And I, so I can see how that's unappealing, but that's very much his style. Just like, yeah. this is supposed to happen, this is going to happen. Well, like, I, I, I just, I, I just, just like know. this movie better when they when it was like Harold and Maude and they did it to each other. What you're describing is like, and then uh, storytelling as opposed to because storytelling. Yeah. You know, and it's like that, it's just like, there's things that are laid out in such a way that, oh, and now this happens, and now this happens, and there's no causality. It's just, it's just essentially a, a construction of a screenwriter without any sort of logic, as opposed to, well, this thing kicks the next scene out, which kicks the next scene out, and there's this sort of domino effect, uh, which I didn't, okay. I didn't get much of that. All right, yeah, I mean, I was, I can see how you can see that as um, uh, the effect, but, um... I think uh, it comes from, like, him as a, if you, about Brisson, he wasn't... He wasn't a miserable person, but I don't think he was like the happiest person. And I right. think his outlook on life is just bleak, mm-hmm. and that's just coming through in his movies. All, it's, it's just like all, how could he not? Yeah, all, yeah. all French people are one number under in happiness. You okay. think? Yeah. <laughs> I think Karash is pretty know. happy I mean, to me. Some, yeah. No, Leo Karash. He's, he's, his he's movies kind are ecstatic, though. He's, some, him himself, he's very much like a I mean, yeah. hunched oh God, over. Oh, problems kind of, with my yeah. generalization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, I'd just like to read, actually, something that Brisson said about his own filmmaking that may give a little more context to it. Um, he said it in different words before, but this one was specifically for an interview in, like, uh, Brisson and Brisson for Four Nights of a Dreamer, so this is what he said. He said, The aim is to do a lot with very little. It can be too simple to say that the more you hold back, the more you create. But it's true. The creating is more about subtracting than adding. What's important, what's difficult with this art of images is to find a way not to show, not to represent, but to suggest. The theater is something completely different. It's why the current marriage of theater and cinema is pure inanity. So he had a very, like, specific idea of what cinema was. Like, actually, yeah, um, his 
famous book is uh, Notes on the Cinematograph or Notes on Cinematography or depending on which English translation you're reading. Uh, and yeah, he had this I- exalted idea of cinema being cinematography and then the rest was cinema. And like the the most like direct commentary about that in this film is when they go see that gangster film, that scene, and that's like reflective of his point of view of cinema. But he also mentioned that in the same very same interview that even though he was trying to imitate the style of an action film, like he still couldn't get yeah. away from like the hands, you know, like that's such a big part of his work. And then the other thing about you mentioned Bill about the and then type of storytelling is that you know he's he's often described as like an elliptical filmmaker where it's like there is no like all the the in between things are have been cut out and it's like all just essential things and one of the things that he also mentions in notes on cinematography is how much more fascinated he is by the um the effect rather than the cause so he'd rather not show the cause and just show the effect um, and that's why I actually I'm tying it into the, my shout out to the sunset because when I saw the sunset, I, of course I was naturally drawn to take pictures of it, but I saw somebody looking at the sunset and their reaction to it, and I thought that was even more amazing than yeah, the actual yeah, sunset. And I started sure. taking pictures of them, and um, I think he's also drawn to that. Um, but yeah, before I, I get too far into it, I also want to get your impression, Scott. Yeah. So. What did you think? What did y'all think of the movie? <laughs> did you like the movie? There you go. I guess that's a... No. <laughs> did you like the movie? Um, actually, it's funny that you made that quote about theater because I thought it reminded me so much of theater. You're an actor, right? That's another thing with full disclosure. (laughs) This Adrian, by the way. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the the blocking and also the fact that like a lot of um, stage often doesn't show the um, the gory detail. It only shows the characters after they've gone through something off stage. A lot of in media res. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. And also, just the blocking was, like, so, um, like that. Like, they stand up together, and they run to the, to the, they often look the down. bridge, and then they go and yeah. sit. <laughs> and it's it's like, two-dimensional staging. Yeah, it's really on a plane. Totally. You know, I would have like, rather seen it as a play, though, because it, you know, plays take, you know, usually take one or two days. Mm-hmm. This story was told over three, three days. Four days. Four nights. Four four nights. Four. <laughs> you know, yeah. Plus a couple of sub stories yeah. yeah yeah I didn't like it that much okay I just have to be honest yeah that's fine I'm, no, I'm there's no point in ha- oh, there's no, no point in having a podcast all the time where like everyone likes it I mean no it's yeah, like I a like, 10 minute podcast right. at a certain <laughs> point. I like it. oh you liked it too I liked no, it too I liked it too what I am curious with the two of you, you well you you perverted it a little bit oh by my introduction no because you know we were talking about two lovers yeah which is one of my favorite movies of the past 20 years which is also based off of that Dostoevsky story so you were like oh it works. so i was so i was just really thinking i was going to love it like i loved two lovers and i was just i was just watching it to look at the similarities oh yeah and um <clears throat> 
Yeah, blame it all on you. Okay. All right. I, I, I take full responsibility. That's not true. I, I don't blame you. Yeah. I, blame any, I don't blame anything on you. <laughs> yeah, that's I just bad. I just was left wanting more. Yeah. I Like like Bill, mm-hmm. this year I spent really trying to get into primarily films that were either not made in America or not made by men. And so I've really been broadening my horizons and watching a lot of French movies. And, uh, yeah, just, um, I think I would have been more impressed with this movie when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So maybe because you've seen the movie before. Yeah. You know, because you can romanticize these things. And this this film is something to romanticize. I do, that that one jam that was being played on the yacht. Yes. I'm going to sample that for a rap song. (laughs) Wasn't that Fado music? Uh, I'm not it's sure. Portuguese, and yeah, it yeah. was Portuguese. Yeah, it was Portuguese, and both Marcus Portugal. and I were bobbing our heads. I was too. Yeah, you didn't yeah. see it because we I do, but yeah. It's funny too yeah. when you say romanticist because I'm like the opposite. Especially, I mean, like I've seen this movie a few like years ago, but like this year specifically, I'm just not a fan of 2017. So mm-hmm. my overall vibe and just inner tone kind of feels like this movie. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of which isn't a good thing, I guess. So it's like, but that's why I think I appreciate your yeah. song a lot because it's like. Life and experiences can, not always, but can kind of break right. you and just like chip away at you to a certain degree and you just kind of feel like a shell from time to time. And that's kind of what these people are to some, like they are shells kind of. And well, it's let, me, like, let me flip you know. it, but I wanted to ask you a question. I mean, this this always, these things like this always makes me think. You like Gene Dealman, right? Yes, I do yeah. very much. So I like, Gene, Gene yeah. Dealman was like torture. That was like being covered in sandpaper and rolled through lemon juice for two hours, right? Sure. And it's like it's, that's three taken, and a half. That's so <laughs> violent. It, it is so violent. Yeah. It's one of the most yeah. absolutely intolerable. Like, it's also it, one of the most misunderstood movies. I know, I know. Right? I mean, it's like I, you know, and and uh, do you like Tarkovsky? I I did not like Stalker. I really, really, really did not like Stalker, but I liked Solaris and I liked Ivan's Childhood. It's a fucking masterpiece. Well, that's, that's great. That's funny. Yeah, that's yeah. like before that's, he even found his. Like, yeah, right. I know, but it's inc- it's an yeah. incredible. What about the story. mirror? Do you like the mirror? I haven't seen those. Are only three. I've seen. That's my favorite. Uh, yeah. This tree of life. I haven't seen nostalgia. I haven't seen sacrifice. Are, are, I are slow are slow films hard for you? No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, films <clears> that keep you at a remove, like Gene Dealman, for instance, is all a remove. Gene Dealman's one job is to make sure you have no entry into there and you're watching something creep at a snail's pace. And it's like, it's obvious that... Um, uh, who directed that? Chantal Ackerman. Chantal Ackerman. Yeah. Ackerman knew exactly what she was doing, right? It's like, it's apparent mm-hmm. that she was had a, a molecular command, I think, of every single atom that was inside that film. Nothing happens without her knowing it. And it's all designed and sketched. It's, it's a, a complete masterwork of, of editorial, uh, editorial and directorial what oversight. What about Old Joy? Did you like Old Joy? Uh, no, no, I haven't seen any Riker movies. I don't think those are oh. for me either. Yeah, that, that's kind of like. Mm, no. Okay. I think there's. I think you would do a couple. Of I mean, I, I'm good. I'm, I'm not scared of. I just it's on the back of the list. Like sure. I got to work up to seeing Kelly Richards movies just because cool. they on paper they just seem like oh, I'm inclined to think they're not for me. But I could get there, and they could be for all I know. But, yeah. Well, that's why I brought up Ackerman is because I feel like. Whatever that francophone thing is that's in the air where people create these very apathetic, quotidian, slowly paced, almost like snoozerific stories, you know, it's like I know that they all sort of seem of a type for me and I and, and I just I just get embargoed from them. 
And yet I know that I kind of feel like, well, I'm on the losing side of that argument because these are classics. You know, there's a whole enthusiastic rhythm section of people who for years have been talking about these as masterpieces, and I just don't get it. And I'm always curious, well, what what is somebody else, like, you know, we all have the same sort of backgrounds, and we all like good shit. It's like, so what are people who like this, like, what are they getting out of it that I'm just not? It's like tasting food and like, oh, this is great. No, this is hot dog. Like, how can we both get the same thing out of the, out of, how can we both get different things out of the same substance? Wow, I mean, perspective. Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say life experience perspective. Yeah. It's all what we bring to the table beforehand. That's, you know. Right. Yeah. And for me, like, yeah, because I guess I came to this the opposite and where this was the last Brazilian I saw, like to complete <laughs> the film. So that's why I'm curious yeah, what same, you guys actually. would... Yeah, what you'd think of this film, um, you know, after you've seen more Brisson films. Like, I would recommend probably Pickpocket is the best place to start. It's 75 minutes. It's where where he started to really find his style. Mm -hmm. He hadn't officially found it yet, but that's when he left, like, traditional actors alone and got with, like, non-actors, still incorporated music well. I think Pickpocket is a great entry point. And, like, yeah, like 77. What year is Pickpocket? 57, 58? 59. Oh, 59. Key film year. (laughs) So many great films came out that year. So, um, actually, yeah, he was filming it in Paris around the same time that Godard was filming Breathless. So, yeah, they kind of ran into each other from time to time. Um, But, yeah, I would suggest... That would probably. Be, I hope you guys aren't completely turned off. No, 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 no. Like, no I, I do, yeah. like, every movie for me is worth watching. It's you know, mm-hmm. this is it's always a glorious reason to sit down and room for right. really cool people and okay. watch a film. Yeah, awesome. To, in this terrible world of like joy, <laughs> destruction, and soul-crushing capitalism, and just like have like being happy to just wake up every day to waste time with your friends. And watch something is a blessing, even when it's bad. Like it, it this is great. I'm, I'm loving talking about this movie. <laughs> of I don't care about it. We're all like nodding in agreement for those who can't see. Yeah. So, so podcasting is not a visual medium. Yeah. Yeah. I, I prefer it not. I don't like that YouTube, whatever. so yeah yeah, it's like I'm so mad at you for making me shut off my life for three hours and drop out and be aware no I'm glad even if you were playing Moon Over Parador I would have been here tonight to see it (laughs) would have been just fine with that I I love Raul Julia so I went to summer camp with his son oh Raul Julia nice no that's his son's name (laughs) Junior? Yeah. Junior? Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Um, Yeah. That was obvious. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. uh, I wanted to just bring up a few, like, points. So, like, uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum, the Chicago critic, he's actually in this film. I can't see him. He says he's in that scene. Really? Yeah, where the, the, the boat passes by. So wow. I'm assuming it's he's hard like, to see anybody because of the way it's lit. Yeah, yeah. it's true. And yeah. I mean, he, he spoke, uh, that's another thing Brisson did, he spoke about the frustrations about shooting in color um, and shooting on location. It was like an unusually really cold fall, he mm-hmm. said. And then on top of that, yeah, there were just like so many, so many, like they couldn't close the bridge, obviously, so public was like walking through, they were talking really loudly, so a lot of the sound had to be re-recorded, like... I mean, that's his trademark, actually. Almost all the footsteps you hear in 
Emerson's films are always like Foley did. yeah or I assume they weren't shooting sing sound anyway uh, no. for a little, for a long while after this yeah he always like meticulously reconstructs I mean, Melville did too out. everybody yeah. Foley just mm-hmm. movies from the ground up right. So um, yeah, so I, I got into it with John uh, Rosenbaum on uh, <laughs> Twitter once. Tell us about that. It wasn't like we were insulting each other, but it was like he said something. That, so Lodge Kerrigan's a friend of mine, and Jonathan Rosenbaum liked Clean Shaven. These are his films, and he liked Keen, but he didn't like Claire Dolan. Claire Dolan's one of my personal favorite movies, but I also think of Lodge's three feature films. Claire Dolan is literally where Clean Shaven and Keen meet, like the two bookends meet. It's you know, so it just didn't make any sense. So I had asked. I read Jonathan Rosenbaum's review on his site. He has a great website, by the way. It's like just archive reviews of decades. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I realized, you know, he'd written, you know, this thing in '98 when Claire Dolan first came out. It didn't get released theatrically until 2000. So I said, hey, it's almost been, you know, two decades since you've written about, you know, Claire Dolan. Have uh, have you maybe given it another sh- uh, chance? And just some, t- it could have been reinterpreted, but he's just like, sure, haven't. Like, he just wrote that, and I was just like, oh, oh well, maybe you should give it a chance. Uh, and he was like, I don't plan to. And I was like, all right, fair. I was just trying to get, and people are always on guard online, like, because internet's the easiest place to just be an asshole. So I was just trying to, maybe he thought I was being confrontational. I really was. I was it's just like, yeah, so I was yeah. just like, you know, if you like, you like this first and this third movie, I really think Claire Dolan is, you know, whatever. He's like, I have to take your word for it. It was just these really, like, glib yep. responses, and then right. finally I was just all right, dude, whatever. And then we just went back and yeah. forth for a little while. But he's still a great writer. He's a right. great, great um, film writer. Yeah, so but, he yeah. was on this film because he, he had Brisson. heard about Brisson, and, you know, he was in Paris at that time, so he was just, like, he took the opportunity to be, like, a, an extra, and he I actually wrote, that. yeah, he wrote an article about it on, in the Village Voice, and it's funny because he still, like, also considers this to be, like, a minor Brisson film, and I just thought his article was, like, a minor article as well. <laughs> Shots fired. Oh, man. Shade. <laughs> yeah. Shade. There's yeah. a great story when uh, did you, when Paul Schrader went to Cannes with Scorsese and De Niro for Taxi Driver. Um, Brasson is is one of Paul Schrader's favorite filmmakers, and also in film. Well, I mean, you could actually see it in this, but mainly in Pickpocket or like Largent, uh, all the apartments. It's like very tight spaces. And uh, Paul Schrader, when writing it and helping Scorsese come up with Taxi Driver, he modeled like Travis's apartment mm-hmm. after the apartment in, in Brasson's Pickpocket. Can see that. So at the time when Paul Schrader was writing movies, he was also a film critic. So he kind of like when he got to Paris, he kind of ditched Scorsese and De Niro to go interview Bresson and kind of like hang out with his hero. So it was yeah. like, that was kind of, and it ended up winning Texas right. Driver winning Best Picture. So it was kind of a, right. Oh, and you, you just said they went home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah they missed it, right? Yeah, um, awesome. um, but that was uh, thing. yeah, actually, you just brought this to mind, Marcus, because there's that great book Scorsese on Scorsese. Sure. And actually, that's my first exposure to side-by-sides because I remember, like, the stills that they choose are always, like, films that Scorsese references from and then it has the stills from his own film. Sure. So the that's still from thing, Pickpocket yeah. was used um, to reference Taxi Driver. Yep. So, like, the whole yep. pulling of the wallets, like, is the same as, like, how he's pulling the gun. Yep. You know, like, it's the same kind of um, routine. Uh, and, I mean, yeah, it's... It, it's no secret that Trader has, like, tried to, like... I guess 
revisit the pickpocket like narrative several times. Yeah. You can see. Well, the, you know, I mean, they use their apartment to like practice. Like, yeah, he practices pickpocket mm-hmm. techniques, and then like in Taxi Driver, he practices yeah. making guns and pulling them out, and like what right. he's going to do. Yeah, it's a yeah, and then idea. I mean, American Gigolo can also be interpreted as kind of like a, sure. a pickpocket remake sure, sure. as well. Uh, I guess also I just want to bring up another quote from Brisson that he said because um, he's asked like um, because his previous film was also a Dostoevsky adaptation he adapted The Gentlewoman which is his first color film and then he was asked like why do you Very keep good, going yeah. back to Dostoevsky and he says because he works with feelings and I believe in feelings because everything he does without exception rings true I wouldn't touch his great novels with their formal perfection the fact that they are adapted for theater has always shocked me but it turns out the two stories on which I based uh, Gentlewoman and Four Nights of a Dreamer don't have the same perfection. They're pretty flawed. In fact, he allows me um, to feel justified in using them rather than serving them. <laughs> so that, that's kind of like an inherent paradox with him in the sense that he wanted to like treat cinema as its like own art, but the majority of his films are adaptations, literary adaptations, and... His justification for that was really that it was just easier to to get funding to, to do sure. those types of films, sure. and he would be on the same page as the producers because he didn't have to like explain his script because it's based on on that kind of material. It's also um, interesting to hear him talking about feeling. Like I love Brisson, yeah. but feeling is not what I get when I see his movie, well, and that's fine. But then yeah. to hear him say that, it's kind of like, huh? Yeah, it that's makes a, me rethink yeah, all of be, his it movies. It must be through a prism, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like yeah, by yeah, the time yeah, you see yeah. it, it's been broken down into. Yeah, I mean, I mean, John Cassavetes was a guy. He thought he was like a traditional filmmaker. Like he, th- <laughs> he did. He never understood why, like <laughs> a movie like Husbands or Faces, like wasn't in like the big multiplexes right. and was he wa- wasn't mentioned like in the same you know mm-hmm. breath as like a Spielberg or a George Lucas. Like he right. literally was like that. He wasn't joking. Like he yeah. did. He didn't understand. One that, of his so. last interviews too, um, when he was promoting Larjant, like he was asked like uh, what he had seen recently in terms of movies, and he said he really liked the current James Bond film at that time that had come out. Wow, I didn't <laughs> yeah. know that. Okay, that's interesting. So yeah, he has a very eclectic taste, but for the most Quite part, like. yeah, he he kind of puts his work for you know ahead of everything else like he doesn't he said he didn't really go out much to watch movies you know that's not did, did he begin theatrically or did he no he actually that's why like I, I guess you guys saw him about like emotions being cut off I was just like completely affected by this emotion even the first time I saw it it like casts a spell on me and like now looking back on it and knowing more about him I almost feel like this is the closest he's come to like something autobiographical because his background is painting. He was a painter, um, so that's how he started. And initially, he was actually going to use his own paintings in the film, but um, the studio that they were shooting in, uh, the artists had paintings there already. Who and, did the paintings? I like those. Um, yeah, let me get her name real quick. <laughs> her name is Anna Elia Aristote. Aristote? Um, yeah. It's like Aristotle without the L. Aristote. <laughs> Aristote. Yeah. So, yeah, it was her, her paintings and just like, yeah, I mean, so much of Brisson is about the face and I loved how these paintings like basically just had like an explosion of color with the face. And I mean, this really was, I mean, his, his first film was, uh, his first film in color was A Gentle uh, Woman, but it's not as expressive of use of color as um, as this is. And he really hit his stride with this film. He only made... I want to say it's almost like a split between 
his career like of, of black and white and color films and sometimes there's like these factions that divide that people prefer the black and white over the color films but I'm the type of person like I love all of the color films yeah like, from a gentle woman to that yeah yeah pickpocket is great mm-hmm. I heard, yeah like man I mean, escaped a man yeah, escaped is yeah. oh well yeah. yeah yeah but I still like his his color movies more than, yeah I'm the same way. I got a real facile question. I mean, and maybe it's skipping ahead to the end of, of Brisson, but why is he considered influential? What am I? What am I missing here? Uh, okay, yeah, I like that a lot because um, I, you know, being a filmmaker myself, like he's an influence on me, but not a direct influence. If you ever see any of my work, like it's nothing like his films. Uh, what I draw from it is like basically there is just like such a commitment to his own philosophy of of cinema you know it's such a singular style and you know we're in an age now where i think a lot of people are not very original (laughs) unfortunately and for a filmmaker to have that and like just to stick with it for years and years like they they always said like he never compromised but he did because the compromise really was that when he was doing these projects, there were a lot of films he was going to make that never happened. Like he was, the last film he wanted to make after Arjun, he wanted to make a film of the Genesis of the Bible. <laughs> so, and that never happened. But like, that was his compromise was that if he didn't feel like he could really fully commit to the project and do it in his own style, projects would fall apart. So the gaps between the films were like really big after a while. Like I think the closest is like, I think Mouchette and... Um, oh, yeah, uh, Al Hazard Baltazar is like two years, mm. and then I mean the gap between the uh, Four Nights of a Dreamer and um, Gentle Woman is three because it was like sixty nine, and then he didn't make a film. Uh, Lancelot Block was I think seventy five. I want to say I believe so. Yeah, yeah. the devil probably was seventy seven. Yep, yeah. and then yeah, his last film Largeant was eighty three. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's the other thing about it. It's such a singular style that people have been using this book of Notes on a Cinematographer as kind of like a director's manual, but it's terrible because it's just like kind of like Odysseus's like bow. Like, nobody else can use that style but him. So his imitators are really terrible. Like, it's pretty obvious when you see that kind of like blank kind of acting style that, you know... Some of his imitators get it. Like, I think Hal Hartley is like uh, a perfect example. Like yeah. Because I love how he's one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I guess what I was pointing out was more like imitators that don't fall into their own groove. Oh, like, sure, you sure. Because, yeah, sure. you have Haneke, Hartley, and um, uh, Dumont. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you could Definitely compare Dumont. their films to him, but they have their own approach to it. You mm-hmm. know, they bring their own kind of sensibility to it. Yeah. And I think that's necessary. I mean, I guess another uh, unspoken influence we should mention, they got compared to him all the time, are the Darden brothers. You know, like... They did? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because, I mean, ostensibly, like, Rosetta is like Mouchette. Like, there's a lot of commonalities between sure, those sure, two films. Sure, sure, sure. I always... Yeah. yeah. There's and so then, much blood in the Dardenne brothers, though. It's, there's so yes. much feeling. And it's it's handheld, which uh, Brisson yeah. never really did. That's why they were always... And, they get called, like, the Belgian, like, um, Cassavetes because of, mm-hmm. like, the... Handheldness, the, the the chaos, and then I've never heard that before. Them compared. Oh no, That's yeah, that was a thing wow. I remember because, like, yeah, it hmm. was a big deal when they won the Palm Door uh, mm-hmm. for Rosetta, and that's what it was compared to. Like, going back to Jonathan Rosenbaum, he has this piece in his book um, where he talks about his favorite films. <clears throat> the title escapes me. It's like making movies or something like that, and um, uh, he does an essay on 
on Rosetta, and he says, like, um, the criticism that's leveled against it is that it's just another mouchette, but it's like, he says, well, yeah, why not have another mouchette, yeah. you know? I always think Welcome to the Dollhouse is a mouchette, honestly. Um, mm. I'd want, the reason I like him, too, is because NY so important is because Brisson, like I said, he started making films in the 40s. His first two films were literally examples of why, you know, uh, Romer, Godard, Truffaut were like, oh, we hate this kind of movie. We're going to do French New Wave and we're going to be like weird and random and surreal and jump cut and this, that, that. And then like the French New Wave got really popular. So like the Renoir, like the, like the Bresson contemporaries kind of got phased out. But then Bresson like ellipsed over and was like, no, I'm still, because he died when he was in his 90s. Bresson was like, I'm still around. So I'm going to like do a new style. I'm not going to try to like hang with these youngsters. I'm not going to try to, you know, do what I did before, which I didn't really like. I'm going to just completely strip it down and do something totally different. And then that made him stand out. And that's, you know, we're, we're sitting here right now talking about him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Any other thoughts, Scott? <laughs> I mean, Scott's been watching a lot of Hal Hartley recently, yeah. which is, which yeah, ties so in how would, Bresson, how would you compare that's been, uh, that? I like Trust more. Trust is great. Yeah. Trust movie. is a great movie. I don't know. It's just like, so that last scene, which was mm-hmm. supposed to be like a kick in the heart dick, mm-hmm. didn't quite <laughs> come across as much because it was, there was just a lot of sterile emotion. They were saying things that normally would mean like a lot of feeling and emotion and passion, but like sort of how I'm talking right now. So if I talk right now, I'm being like, I love you. I want to make out with you. I Welcome want to spend to my life with you. <laughs> or it, not Costco. You. Yeah. No, like Costco. I want to take you to Costco and buy you Kirkland batteries. <laughs> it, Kirkland. It's, it's like, it's a little weird. It's a little yeah. like, oh, you're a sociopath or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not. Yeah. Maybe. But you're telling us you're a sociopath. You're not showing it. That's the difference. Well, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's like the first thing you're taught in like third grade writing school. Yeah. It's like show, don't tell. You know, mm. um, so when that scene happens, spoiler alert, when that scene happens where, you know, uh, the girl leaves him for the other dude, it's so abrupt abrupt that it's like you're, you're not given the amount of time to really, because that's happened to me in life, like falling for someone who's like, you know, trying to recover from another man, and then they're like, well, actually, I want to be with the other man, sorry. And you're like, that really sucks, you know? And I, I didn't get it as much. This is a long time ago. Yeah. Now people just leave me. Aw. No, I'm, I'm a sad clown. You are a very funny sad clown. I'm going to go back to his loft and paint now. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Actually, uh, yeah, it's just I, I'm having trouble really expressing how much this film like affects me emotionally. I mean, yeah, I can't put it. I, in I words. hope we're not dimming your enthusiasm. Oh no, no, yeah, not okay. at all. Like, uh, how are you yeah. feeling right now? I'm feeling in love. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just I. I don't know. I. I think 
there is this part. I, I think I was also one of the few people who was laughing throughout this thing, and I, I was like regretting like telling everybody that it's his funniest film at the beginning. But like, even yeah, just, that was that was a bad move. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, I will not do that again. Yeah, I'll keep my introductions very brief from now on. And more uh, cryptic. Yeah, more yeah. cryptic. Um, but yeah, there's that part where his friend visits, and he shows him a photograph of his painting. <laughs> Which is just, yeah, you found that funny, right? I did find it funny. Yeah, but uh, it, it, I think that that kind of is the, uh, I mean, a lot of Brisson's films to me, uh, that like is the microcosm in it. It's like, it's a funny commentary, but at the same time, like, there's the truth that it, it's expressed through his films that basically I'm giving you these little nuggets and it's going to imply other things so that, like, I think that's what it's doing to me. Like, it's, for lack of a better term, I guess, giving me triggers. And, like, that's all I need. Like, I just need, like, a minimal amount to, like, push me forward. Because I guess so much of the cinema that I enjoy... Uh, <laughs> Bill, you were very dismissive. Um, it's like um, this kind of minimalist type of filmmaking where so much of it is what you bring to it. You know... But you were talking before about acting in films, and you know, yeah. uh, in, in Bresson's and films, he didn't. He, no he acting. Says there is no acting. No acting. No actors. And again, I think it's that he, you identify with his character so strongly, but he gives you kind of a blank canvas to project your own feeling and emotions on. He had a way of um, his casting, and he called them models. He didn't call them actors, and. Um, he wasn't really interested in anything performance related. It was just stand here and do exactly this. And, uh, but he always found these kind of beauties, these really striking images through his, through his actors, long parade of uh, really interesting looking people um, that you project all your own feelings onto, you know? So it's, you have to participate, but his stories are so lean and perfect. This was a, it's beautiful, but I love, you know, I think Brisson, it's one of those, just that handful, that special handful of directors who really just had their own language. You know, they just created their own cinematic language and answered to it their whole career. And it just reminds you how much you're participating. But as a filmmaker, I thought, oh, you don't have to, the characters don't have to react the way you would even in real life necessarily. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the more neutral you make them, the more you're in a subtle, unconscious way demanding the audience participate in your movie a little bit. The guy that does that. Yeah. I'm going to vape some Robitussin <laughs> and make some podcasts. Right? Some drink and you some Chapman's food. You that, listen to the next day like... That's Marlo, by the way. Hi, Marlo. Oh. Yeah. the screening. Or else I'd yeah, I'm curious what you would... No, what do you think about that movie? <laughs> I missed the screening. Have you exactly. Seen? What do you oh. think about that movie? <laughs> what do you think about Brisson? Uh, I don't know him, to be honest. Oh. I'm not, like, well-versed enough. Oh, okay. What about Luc Besson? Sorry? What about Luc Besson? Who's his cousin? Oh, also. <laughs> no. Okay. Yeah. That died on the vine. What about, what about, what about like, yeah, your well. joke, Luc Burston? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um... All right, I lost no. my train of thought. Okay, no, no, well, Bill you, was you were talking about Benning and the, and the, yeah. the yes, yes. Are we recording? Yeah, yeah we're recording now. Yeah. I wanted to hear her opinion. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah. Do you want to stop recording so we can hear it? <laughs> yeah. Don't keep going. Yeah. <laughs> keep, keep going. Keep, keep going. Keep going. No. I really like okay, the breath bre- song. You're giving me an idea right now. Thea, how about you whisper to Scott and then Scott, you relay what she's saying. No, how about yeah, you're putting that? her on the spot more. No. Okay. Putting her on the spot more. Bye-bye. 